Okay, guys, we're in 2 Timothy. So we're in lesson 12. We finished the first epistle of Tim- to Timothy. Now we're going to get to the second letter that we have to Timothy in our New Testaments. Now, this is a significant letter in that this is, to be honest with you, probably the last letter that we know of from the Apostle Paul. At this point, the Apostle Paul, this is after the book of Acts. So I just want to remind everybody of the book of Acts because we studied that. If you remember the book of Acts, Paul had already been captured once, was being sent to Rome to appear before Caesar. That's what is known as his first imprisonment. Okay? History then tells us that he appeared before Caesar but was released. And so then he went on and ministered some more. He was then again imprisoned, not because of the Jews in Jerusalem, but maybe because of some Jewish things happening in Asia Minor. But he was again arrested for the faith, and this time he was to appear before Caesar, and this time it wouldn't go well. And so this letter is possibly uh, the last letter he wrote or the last letter that we have of him of the 13 letters. It is the last letter that he wrote to Timothy knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he's facing execution. So think about that. If you were writing a letter and you know that's your last letter to a person, what are you going to write? Do you know what I'm saying? That's what he's writing here. Okay, so that's what Second Timothy is. So there's four chapters, and we're going to go through this. Again, it's a pastoral letter, and he's giving advice to Timothy to, uh, to help him as being a minister of Christ. And so there's a lot of information there for you and I, and uh, we're going to take a look at it. Now, as always with all letters in their culture, they would begin their letters with a prayer of thanksgiving or a statement of thanksgiving, okay? So if you look at all the letters that are that are letters, you'll see that it starts off with a section of thanksgiving. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So let's look at verses 1 to 7. There's some truths that are going to come out of this, hopefully that will be of an encouragement to you. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is also in you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Okay, so let's take a look at this. First of all, he's going to tell us who it is. The writer identifies himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle of Jesus Christ. 
So first thing he's going to do, he's, he, and he always does this, is identify himself, Paul, and then he's going to say what he's called to do, okay? Now, notice now he stated that he was an apostle by the will of God in accordance with the promise of salvation. So here's what he's saying. I'm an apostle because this is what God wanted. All right, now we know that, right? When Paul got saved, folks, when Paul got saved, was he wanting to get saved? Was he looking to get saved? No, he was actually trying to stamp out the faith, right? He was trying to do his best to eliminate the faith. Jesus Christ met him on the road to Damascus and then had that experience with him and also basically said, you're going to be my representative to the Gentiles. Now, let's stop for a moment. If you think about that, that's just pure craziness. Why? Because he's a pretty zealous Jew. Do zealous Jews have anything to do with Gentiles? Do they want to have anything to do with Gentiles? No, so you meet Jesus, first of all, whom you're fighting against. He knocks you off, blinds you, and then says, you're going to be my representative to the people that you don't want to have anything to do with. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? So he's saying here that he is an apostle by the will of God in accordance with the promise of salvation. Now, what does that mean? What is the promise of salvation? Well, the promise of salvation goes all the way back to Genesis. When he, when God said to Abraham, in you, the nations will be what? Blessed. What does that mean? In Abraham, the nations will be blessed. Well, from Abraham came who? Jesus, who would be a blessing to who? The nations, to everyone. In accordance to the promise of salvation, he was called to be an apostle in accordance to the promise of salvation. The promise of salvation is to who? You and I, everyone. He was an apostle to the Gentiles, okay? An apostle to the Gentiles. Now, let's go on. He's going to give a blessing. Paul bestows a traditional blessing of grace, mercy, and peace from the Father in Jesus. He bestows a blessing of grace, mercy, and peace. This just struck me, you know, because you see this in every letter. It's almost like, oh, he bestowed the normal blessing. But I want you to look at it. Look at what he says there. Grace, mercy, and peace. Almost all the epistles are like that. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. All right. That really is something that should stir your thoughts for a moment. Okay, because, okay, how many of you pray for other people in our church? We do, right? Okay. How do you pray for them? Well, I pray for their need, whatever's mentioned on the prayer prayer chain. I pray for their need, right? Right? Okay. How about if I told you that you could pray for them whenever, and it doesn't have to be when they're on the prayer chain? Because... How many of you put everything on the prayer chain? Nobody does. We only put the, the presentable things on the prayer chain, right? Because there's some stuff people don't need to know, but I need help with, right? Right? Okay. Can I tell you, wouldn't it be great if we just started praying for each other and just asking these three things? God, would you give them grace? God, would you give them mercy? How about this one? God, would you give them 
peace. Don't we all need peace? Sometimes our weeks are like chaos, right? Do, 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 you, know, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it just struck me, if you look, every one of the letters when he's writing to the church or to an individual, he says the same thing, grace, peace, and mercy from God and Jesus Christ. He's, he's bestowing a blessing on them. I think that would revolution, because I don't know, how am I, what am I going to pray about for Mike this week? Grace, peace, and mercy. Wouldn't that be great just to know somebody's praying that for you? Do you know what I'm saying? Grace, peace, and mercy. Because I can't think of some, we need grace. What's that? Getting what we don't deserve from God. Mercy. We, yeah, because we definitely need, we're not perfect, right? And what? Peace. Life is chaos. Do you know what I'm saying? Life is chaos. So he's he's addressing his letter to Timothy, his beloved son, and he is what? Bestows a traditional blessing of grace, mercy, and peace from the Father and Jesus. Now, in verses 3 to 7, he's going to tell Timothy why he's thankful for Timothy. Okay? He's going to say why he's thankful. Starting off in verse 3, he's going to talk about himself and his service. Okay, He's going to talk about Paul. He's talking about himself. Paul testified that he served God with a pure conscience as his fathers did. With a pure conscience as his fathers did. Why is that significant? Why would it be significant to know that you're doing what you're doing and you've got a pure conscience about it? All right, you're not trying to lead anybody astray. When he says he's got a pure conscience, what does that, what, what else would that mean? Okay, he believes in what he's teaching, okay. He's not being malicious, okay, he doesn't have any, would you say this, Danny, he doesn't have any guilt feelings, okay, or he's not, you know, cause you ever, you ever dealt with somebody and, you just kind of got this gnawing thing that maybe you didn't do them right when you dealt, like you got the upper hand out of it, but you, and it's maybe because you didn't do right and you're dealing with them. You ever had that? I know we all have, right? Okay. You could say that we didn't have a good conscience in dealing with them. Do you understand? He's saying, you know, he, he testified he served God with a good conscience. He could sit there and say, I don't have no regrets about my serving. You know, another example of this would be Samuel. From 1 Samuel, you'll, you'll remember the Israelites want a king, and they, they go to Samuel and say, hey, we want a king, and Samuel tries to discourage them, and Samuel goes to prayer. God says, okay, if they want that, we'll do that. Then Samuel talks about his ministry as a judge and says, have I taken a bribe? Have I done anyone wrong? Have I lied? Have I, you know, and, he, and they all said, no, we bear witness that you have it. What? He was able to say, I served you with what? A clean conscience is what he's talking about there. Paul's saying the same thing here. He testifies that he served God with a clean conscience as his forefathers did. Okay? Now let's go on. His statement reflected that his faith in Jesus Christ was a continuation of his forefathers' faith. Well, wait a minute, George, they weren't saved. How could it be a continuation? Because that's what he's saying. I served with a clear conscience as my forefathers did. How could that be a continuation? Well, 
what he's basically saying is, is that even though they didn't know it was Jesus, they were searching for who? They were living for who to come? The Messiah to come. Do you know what I'm saying? They were living looking for what would come. They had faith in what would come. All right? Now, let's go on. That's Paul talking about himself. Look at what he says about how he interacts with Timothy. Verse 3, Paul gave thanks to God as he consistently prayed for Timothy night and day. Paul gave thanks to God as he consistently prayed for Timothy night and day. In fact, look at what it says there. As without ceasing, I remembered you in my prayers night and day. Does that mean he sat around just praying all day long? Oh, I pray for Timothy, I pray for Timothy. No, it meant that he was in his constant interaction with God. He was always what? Talking about Timothy with the Lord, praying about Timothy, concerned about Timothy. Okay, concerned about him and interacting with him. I think you guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, let's talk about prayers, what it is. Prayer is talking, right? Prayer is talking with the Lord. And and it's like human talking. Okay, so like, for instance, when Lori and I interact, probably nine times out of ten, some of the stuff that we're talking about is our kids, and we're always talking about our kids, about what's Maddie doing, what's Foster doing, this is what's happening with Sawyer, this is what's happening with Hudson. And why do we talk about our kids? Yeah, because we, yeah, we love our kids, we care about them. And so we're concerned about them. So we're always talking to each other. It's not old. I don't sit there and say, I'm done, Lori. I, I don't really want to talk about them anymore. Let's talk about the Patriots or the Eagles, okay? No, that, that doesn't happen. Okay? We talk about our kids all the time because we're concerned about them. This is what Paul's saying. I'm talking with the Lord continually about you, Timothy, because I love you. I care for you. See, this is, in fact, here, let me just, George is learning this, okay? You think after 30 years I'd figured this out. My prayer time with God, I'm realizing, is more than just going through a list. Prayer time with God is more than just going through your prayer list. And I got a pretty big one. I mean, I got a pretty big, I got a, I got an app on my phone and on my, uh, on my tablet here that is basically a prayer list. And I've got like a whole list of things and I've even got days assigned to when I pray them. So like, for instance, guys, I, I pray for you each week. Okay. Some of you are on Friday. Some of you are on Wednesday. Some of you are on Thursday. Okay. Some are on Monday. Nobody's on Sunday except the whole church, okay? And, 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 but I'm learning, okay, so I'll go to, my ritual in the morning is I read the word of God and then I'll pray and then I'll go through my list and I'll talk to the Lord through my list. But I'm learning it's more than just going through a list. Because I don't sit down with Lori and whip out my phone and say, okay, let's talk about this and let's talk about this, let's talk about that. That's not normal, right? I'm learning it's, oh, okay, God, this is what's going on. This is what's bothering me. You know, do, do you know what I'm saying? It, it's, 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 it's more of a depth to it. Did you understand? More of a depth to it. And, and, and that's what's going on here is this, he, Paul's expressing, when he says he's 
he's constantly in contact. He is, he's living with the realization the Lord is with him all the time. So he's talking with the Lord all the time. You understand? That's what it means to pray without ceasing, is, is that you're in constant communion with the Lord and you're talking to him about stuff. You know? You're talking to him about stuff. Now, let's go on. First of all, anybody got a question? Maybe that's radical to you. Anybody got a question? Okay, let's go on. Here's, here's what he wants to say. He's got a desire. He stated that he greatly desired to see Timothy, who was grieving for Paul in his captivity. All right, I think you understand that. Think about it for a moment. If you're in, you know, in the first captivity, Paul was able to have his own apartment or own house. He maybe had a guard chained with him, but he was able to have some semblance of a normal life. In this captivity, it's different. Paul's in a dungeon. He's not, and, and remember, in Roman jails, you didn't eat unless somebody brought food for you because the Romans didn't provide you with food. Okay? It was not a wonderful place to be. And so he's desiring to see Timothy, and he knows that Timothy is concerned, grieving for Paul being in prison here. Okay? He's desiring, but he wants to see Timothy. Now, he desired to see Timothy so that he may be filled with joy. Okay, I think we can relate to that. You ever been through a traumatic experience? And you just came through it, and the first person you see after your traumatic experience, you're just thankful to see them? Do you know what I'm saying? You're just thankful, that, especially someone that you care for, that they're there for you in the midst of whatever crisis you had? That's what he's talking about here, okay? He just would be joyful to see Timothy in the midst of his terrible situation. So then verse 5, he's going to talk about Timothy's faith, okay? He's going to talk about Timothy's faith. Paul was thankful when he remembered Timothy's testimony of genuine faith. And, and you know, and I, and I think... To be honest with you, that is, I, I'm, I'm starting to learn that now. You know, I've been pastoring over 20 years. I've been a believer for 30 years. As I look back, there are people whose lives that we have, Lori and I have come in contact with, and, and I can look back and I say, Lord, I just thank the Lord that they know you, that they came to faith. Do you know what I'm saying? That they, that they trust in you, that they have a testimony of faith, or that you brought them into our lives at this point. You know, do you know what I'm saying? So that's what Paul's doing here. Think, you think about it. He's somebody who is facing what? Death. And so he's thinking about the people in his life that are dear to him, and he's what? He's thankful for Timothy's faith. You know what I'm saying? His genuine faith. In fact, he reflects on that a moment. He stated that this genuine faith was held by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. That is Timothy's grandmother and mother. So Timothy, even though he had an unbelieving dad, it was assumed he had an unbelieving dad, a Greek dad, he had a mother and a grandmother who what? Had faith in God. Okay? And so it's reflected there. Now, he is convinced, Paul is convinced that Timothy had a genuine faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. 
a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 6 is an interesting verse because we're going to see now that Paul's going to try to remind Timothy about something, and this is something that you and I maybe need to also be reminded of as well. Paul reminds Timothy to stir up the gifts of God that were imparted to him. Stir up the gifts of God. Now, I gave you a biblical note in your notes there about what does it mean to impart a spiritual gift, okay? Uh, that phrase is not specific, but basically, you know, it, it, it's something that the apostle did that gave him a gift to help with the church. Maybe it was a gift of prophecy. So you'll see that in the note there. Um, but here's what I want you to see. Paul's coming to the end of his ministry. He's got a good conscience about it, but here's what he wants. He wants Timothy, you keep serving the Lord and you keep what? Using the gifts that were given to you for the Lord. All right, so stop. Do you guys have gifts? All right, Bruce says yes. Anybody else? Do you have gifts? I'm not talking talents or natural abilities. That's different. Okay. That's, you know, that's, that's completely different. I think, you know, my kids were watching what SpongeBob and Patrick Starr says, I know you have the talent, but do you have the natural ability? They're the same thing. It was just profound wisdom from a star, you know, uh, starfish. So, um, here's what I want you to see. Do you have spiritual gifts? Bruce says yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Okay, Brian says yes. Brad's back there nodding his head. Everybody agree with that? Okay. Do you use them? Now, you don't need to answer that. Do you use them? I don't know. I don't even know what my gifts are. I know I got gifts because you've told me I've got gifts, George. I just don't know what they are. I don't know how to use them or whatever. Okay, that's normal. Would everybody agree with that? Okay, normal thoughts? Okay. Here's the fact. Number one, when you received the Holy Spirit, he came into your life, and the Holy Spirit, according to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, imparts to you spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body. Now, who's the body? The church. Okay, he imparts to you spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body. Now, everyone gets a gift or gifts for the benefit of the body. It's not necessarily natural ability. It's not necessarily uh, talent, okay? It's gifts to be used. Now you say, well, I don't know what mine are. Well, number one, you need to ask the Spirit to show you what they are. The gifts are always, you are always given gifts to do what the Spirit tells you to do. He's not going to tell you to do that which he hasn't gifted you to do. Do you understand? So if you're trying to figure out what your gifts are, look at what he's put a desire in your heart to do. And as you step out to do those, look at what he gives you the gift to do that with. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, a lot of times we're told to do things we don't want to do it because we say, I don't have that talent or I don't have that ability or I don't have that whatever, so I don't do what God tells me to do. Well, first of all, he's always going to tell you to do that which you can't do on your own. He's always going to tell you to do that. But rather, he's going to have you 
realize that you have to rely upon him to be able to do it. Did you understand what I'm saying? So for instance, I feel that one of my gifts is teaching. Okay? Teaching. However, I'm going to be honest with you, I feel that's a spiritual gift because I know what I was like before I became a believer. And that is, I did not like getting up in front of people and speaking. Because I am an introvert. Okay? Uh, you may not realize that, but I'm an introvert. What does that mean? Oh, first of all, the reason why I take a two-hour nap on Sunday, my power nap, is because you drain me. Okay? Extroverts love people. They get energized by interacting with people, right? Introverts, you suck the life out of us. I'm just being honest with you. So my natural tendency is to be introverted, and, and I'm done. Like, if you come to my house for a gathering or a party or whatever, Lori will tell you there's like a certain point where I'm done, and I'm pushing a chair under the table, and I'm saying goodnight, and I'm going to bed. Because I can't handle it. Do you understand? I close the door, whatever, just leave, you know, because I'm done, okay? My wife says that's rude. No, I'm just an introvert, okay? So when God asked me to speak, that's like the last thing, because I did not want to do that. Public speaking was not, in college or whatever, is not something that I wanted to do. Do you understand? But he gives you that ability. He gives you that desire to use the gifts that he's given you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, some of you, he's given you gifts of service. You find great fulfillment in doing your gifts. So you do gifts of service. You give gifts of encouragement, gifts of giving. Yeah, And I'm not talking about giving to the offering plate. That's just a very small part of giving. We're all encouraged to give in that way, but... Giving people give of themselves in other areas, right? And they're able to do that because the Lord, what? Gives them the ability to do that. Now, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying to Timothy, listen, you stir up the gift that he's given you for who? The benefit of who? The church. Okay? You got a question, Lori? I don't... I, I would actually say, I would say you don't need to pinpoint it. Okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I'm not a big fan of the spiritual gift tests. Why? Because depending on the time of year, the mood you're in, and what's happening in your life will determine what comes up in the test as far as a result. Did you understand what I'm saying? So like uh, one time, I mean, I could uh, take the test and it tells me I'm a prophet. Now, what does that mean? Prophet is tell you what you're supposed to do, whatever, you know. And another time it tells me, and it's like, that's my mood. Maybe I went in there that day and I was irritable. Do you, do you know, have you ever, ever met somebody who's irritable? They just want to tell people their mind. You take a spiritual inventory test, guess what you are? A prophet. Oh, Justification for being irritable. Right? I, sorry, I, I don't believe those tests. I believe the Spirit empowers you to do the things that He wants you to do at the time. And I think you have more than one gift. I think you have dominant gifts. I think you have secondary gifts. 
I think the circumstance and the situation is different when those gifts show up. You might have a certain gift that's needed here, but if you go to another church 10 years from now, God may raise up a different gift because that gift is needed in that church. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's as he wills, not as you determine. Okay? It's as he wills, not as you determine. And, and, and let's be honest, he knows what gifts are needed. You know, like, what if we had a church filled with people who think they have the gift of prophecy? Oh my goodness, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? Everybody's speaking their mind, putting forth the truth, right? God knows what gifts need to be there. So what you really need to do to understand your gifts, I want you to hear me, what you really need to do to understand your gifts is just ask a simple question. What do you want me to do, Lord, in our church? What do you want me to do? And I'm going to tell you right now, that answer will always be different for each person. What do you want me to do? That answer will always be different. He has something for you to do, and he gives you the ability to do it. So in our church, he will raise up men to teach. But in our church, he will also raise up men and women to serve quietly. He'll raise up men and women to pray. There are some people who have a special gift of praying. That's more than just normal praying, but they're they're like intercessors. Do you understand what an intercessor is? An intercessor is somebody who lifts up people to the Lord and prays for their needs. Do you understand? There are, there are some people that God's given a gift for giving and so forth. What were you going to say, Lord? Yes, always an expression of love, yes. Our gifts are an expression of love. They have to be. You know, you know what I'm saying? So like this morning, when I came in here and started the coffee pot and I was heating up the hot water downstairs, I, I was reading through Mark chapter 16 and then I was praying and here's my prayer. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to teach these folks and give me a love for them as I teach. Do you see what I'm saying? That's that's. It has to be for the benefit of who? It's not, thank you, Lord, for giving me this privilege to preach and let everybody see how great I am. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's the tendency if you're filled with pride. Do you understand what I'm saying? It has to be for what? Others. Do you understand what I'm saying? For others. So gifts are always for the benefit of unity and love in a congregation. Isn't that what he calls us to be as a church? Unified and loving one another? So the gifts are always going to be for that. So let me just stop for a moment. I don't believe that the gift of prophecy is speaking your mind. I think that's an excuse some people make for being malicious. Do you understand? That's a spiritualized excuse for being malicious. I think the gift of prophecy is proclaiming what God says he's going to do in a way that will build up the body. That's what it is. Do you understand? Prophecy in the New Testament is always for the benefit of the church. And and, and you thinking that your, your criticism or your maliciousness that you testify as prophecy, that's not building up anybody. That's always going to, what, tear people down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tear people down. Okay, so let, let's go on. I, I want to make sure I get through this. 
But if anybody has got a question or a comment, all right. Here's another one, 1 Timothy 4.14. We already looked at this earlier. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given by prophecy and the laying on of hands of the eldership. Okay, so let's talk about God's gifts. Two things he's going to point out about what God does for us. He's going to say, Timothy, this is what God has done in your life, and I'm going to tell you this is the same thing that he has done in your life. Paul states that God has not given believers a spirit of fear or timidity. All right, so you you ever get afraid? You ever get fearful? Happens every week in my life. I'm afraid of something, afraid of this. You ever get afraid? I'm going to tell you right now, that didn't come from the Lord. God does not give a spirit of fear. Why? Because no matter what you're facing, you can have confidence in him, right? Strength and confidence come from the relationship with the Lord, not fear. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not being afraid, not being timid. That's what he's saying here. So one of the gifts that God gives you is the reality that he's not the one who brings fear in our lives. Fear actually manifests the reality that you're not trusting in him with regards to that situation. So when I usually face fear, I just go and talk to the Lord and I say to him, Lord, you know I'm afraid. I'm not trusting you in this area. Can you help me? It's like what I was just reading in Mark about the young, about the man whose son was deaf and mute and had a demon and was throwing himself in the fire. Jesus said, just have faith. And the guy says, Lord, I have faith, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. We all struggle with unbelief, right? Okay? Fear is an expression of unbelief. And so I go talk to the Lord about it. He states that God has not given us believers a spirit of fear or timidity. Now, God has given believers the gifts of spiritual power, love, and a sound mind. Isn't that amazing? Three things are, let's go through them. First of all, he's given us gifts of spiritual power. Now, when we talk about spiritual power, don't think about the Avengers. Okay? Don't think about Superman, okay? That's not what he's talking about here. What is he talking about here? He's talking about spiritual power to get you through the day as you face what you're facing. Do you understand? Strength to face what you're facing. Here's what else he does. He gives us gifts of love. You know how you're able to love people? Because he fills your heart with love. And I'll just say this. I can almost guarantee you, you have not met with Jesus that day if you aren't expressing love to people. If you're just mean and belligerent, don't tell me how much you believe Jesus, because I can tell you haven't been with him, okay? And then, of a sound mind. What does that mean, a sound mind? Well, in the Bible, in the New Testament, when it talks about you not having a sound mind, it talks about it in terms of you being an unbeliever. So remember when we talk about the prodigal son when he was away from the father, it talks about how he was, what, feeding the pigs, eating their, eating their food, their, their husks and everything, and he came to his what? Senses. What does that mean? It talks about him coming back to a sound mind to understand who? God. God has given you the ability to have a sound mind concerning who? Himself. And what he wants for you. 
Do you understand? Concerning yourself and what he wants for you. Okay. Okay, so next week we're going to get into a little bit more of it. He's gotten through the Thanksgiving section with Timothy. Now he's going to get into a discussion concerning faithfulness, okay, about being faithful. All right?